How do you move your nodes from Web 2 to Web 3? What would a version control system look like in the age of decentralization? Can you combine a web address with a crypto address? Well, these are some of the things that the Cortex app is solving. Hello, innovators and explorers. Welcome to another episode of the Web 3.0 podcast. I'm your host, Sam Kamani. I am an Amazon best-selling author and a tech startup founder. I'm here to take you on a journey to explore this new land of Web 3.0, which is filled with opportunities that can help you build generational wealth. On this episode of the Web 3 podcast, I interview Leonard Kish, the founder and CEO of Cortex app, CRTX.app. Leonard Kish is the co-founder of Ubase, the maker of Cortex app, and he has been in crypto since 2014. Leo is also a former neuroscientist and digital health executive. The need for patient-centric data for healthcare set him out on a mission into crypto to help build decentralized human-centric data internet. So in this wide-ranging discussion, we talk about building a human-centric internet Web3, the future of crypto, blockchain, and so much more. I think this is a must-listen episode for those who are interested in the future of decentralization, blockchain, metaverse, EBM, and tokenization. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to the show, and yeah, it's great to have you here. Tell us about like what you are working on these days. Yeah, so we're working on uh, the Cortex application, which is a CRTX.app on the, uh, we call it the legacy web. And so what we're really building is a complete web three infrastructure that's with our goal being to make it as simple and low cost for anybody to use as possible. Yeah. And so you can think of Cortex, the application is kind of, even though there's a lot of infrastructure underneath it, web three infrastructure underneath it in terms of the data and the domains and the cryptography behind the, you know, it's based on a wallet. But at the end of the day, it's very much like maybe a kind of a Web3 Netscape or maybe like a Web3 kind of Squarespace. It's a web development yes. tool as well as a kind of browser for, for Web3. And so what we're really driving for with that is, you know, that's just Cortex is like a gateway. It's an application yeah. that just enables you to be able to own your domain and own your communications and own the things that you put out on the web and to have a wallet that that whole that gives tokens and assets and what I call now just digital belongings because they're not really assets anymore. They're really, you know, the stuff around your house. You're going to have a lot of these digital belongings. And Cortex, the vision for Cortex is for that to be kind of a home where you can interact with all these kind of digital belongings within that, you know, if you think of Web3 as the user-owned web, it's your own kind of user-owned environment. Yeah, very true. So how does someone use Cortex? Who is the, the ideal user or who? what does your user demographics look like? Well, in the early days, it's certainly going to be people that are already playing around in Web3 already. You know, it's going to yes. be somebody who has a POAP, who has, a, has NFTs already, but is looking more to get into creating and publishing in a web three environment. You know, I think if you think yeah. of 
Web3 now, you think, you know, MetaMask, like how you would actually interact with Web3, it's generally going to th be through MetaMask or something like that. Cortex takes it, I think, much towards much further and deeper so that, you know, everything you can kind of interact with on the web becomes uh, kind of crypto enabled. So, <clears throat> you know, it's the same kind of people, people like me, I think it was based on uh, a little bit on note-taking applications. So yeah. like Notion, Rome Research, or, you know, if yes. you're on the technical side, like Atom or, you know, there's, there's several, you know, every developer has their yeah, uh, yeah. I favorite. Use, yeah, v VS Code is very popular as well. <laughs> yeah, so we are going to yeah. have a lot of integrations with uh, Vim and yeah. and VS Code, and and we're, the the editor is based on those kinds of things. So it's going to be very kind of developer friendly as well. But you know, at the end of the day, we wanted something that where our notes were decentralized and they really belonged to us. You know, a lot of note taking applications. You know, similar to Google's model, they they might not identify and identify you as a, as an individual, but they certainly uh, will use some of your data to create profiles and things like that yeah. to sell advertisements. So we really wanted to build a note-taking application that was really personal and uh, to the individual and that they could decide how the notes are used. And, and long-term, you know, I think a lot of people's long-term goal for Web3 is to have the algorithms work for you instead of for uh, or someone yeah, else one of, the, one of the big companies yeah so so you're not the product yeah yep. exactly um can i use cortex for my own note taking right now or is it in beta is it live no it's in beta we have a demo yes. of the actual application on our website or on our youtube yep. so we expect it'll be out in Q2. So that's the goal we're working towards right now. So it's been pre pretty much everything's done. It's a lot, of, the infrastructure's all built out. So we're just a uh, matter of, and the interface needs a little bit of work, but uh, it's pretty much ready to go. Oh, fantastic. And so, so I can then so, download Cortex and just connect my MetaMask or any other sort of wallet. Yeah. Wallet so these, those wallets will still, will have integrations with wallets, which will still ultimately handle the keys. But, but yeah, you can think of it like that. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's fantastic. And and what about the human domain? Yes, so yeah. So so Cortex actually is based on a HD wallet. If you're familiar with that, but essentially, what that does is allow the the you know similar to like .eth, the keys and the web address become somewhat synonymous. And so we've taken that a, a layer further. So it's not just the domain. And the dot human domain is kind of, you can think of like, kind of like the top part of it, the kind of uh, yeah. seed for it. But then we take that all the way through to the data structure and the URL. So every kind of every, like a wiki, every page you create has a, has a web address underneath yeah. your domain, as well as a valid crypto address. So every page, everything you create is also, a, you know, a valid holder of assets. And yeah. in many ways, the page itself, it gets a little bit recursive because in some many ways, the page itself is, is an asset because on some level, it's immutable. But <clears throat> without going down that rabbit hole, the domains and not human in the, is the first ones we're releasing, but we'll be releasing several others. Our goal has been really to make Web3 accessible to anybody. Yeah. So the dot human domains are free. They're based on your Twitter profile. So yes. my Twitter profile is, is you know, at Leonard Kish. 
So I have the leonardkish.hmn domain. And so any Twitter profile that you have, you just tweet to at HMN domains with your, from your Twitter account and mention your Polygon address, address. Yes. and it will send you a full complete NFT of the .hmn domain. And then from there, you can also claim the hmn.eth subdomain for that. So you have Sam Kamani, HMN. Which I just did Sam yesterday. Kamani. Yeah, yeah. I saw, actually, I saw that. You have samkamani.hmn.eth. And I think it's only about $25 right now to grab that .eth subdomain, which has all the benefits of, of .eth. And it's constructed in a way so that the owner of the .eth subdomain moves with the owner of the .hmn domain. So if you sell the HMN full NFT, you know, it's, yeah. and these are yours for life. And yes. we'll be updating with uh, ways to update the metadata and, and do some pretty cool things there. But they're full NFTs, so they're yours for life. You can buy them and sell them. And we'll have uh, several more beyond that. Just human, you can imagine the other kinds of things that will <laughs> yeah. that can flow from you know things beyond humans, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, Animals, absolutely. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> which are always popular in the NFT world. <laughs> exactly, Some apes. exactly. Yes. So I have a question. So anyone, so say I bought it and then I can move it from my one wallet to another wallet, that NFT yep. dot, yeah, yep. dot human, and it still belongs to me. Um, yeah, it is a full NFT. So you can do with it whatever you do with any other NFT. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. And so since you are building in Web3, you have been involved in this space for so many years. Where do you see the opportunities lie for people this year? Well, this year, I mean, just we're very narrowly focused on probably what we're doing more than anything. But I think I think what we'll see is that Web3 just gains a lot of depth. And that we move away from just uh, MetaMask and, and have much more deeper integration with the kinds of things that we do on Web 2 and, and have those be doable in Web 3. You know, for a long time, people have talked about, you know, kinds of sentiment tokens, like sending people a like. And, the, you know, with the all the layer twos right now, you know, we're, we're building on Polygon. We're big Polygon fans. Actually, yes. we'll be on the Twitter space with Polygon on this Thursday, March 3rd. It's around 9 a.m. here in Colorado on Thursday. Yeah. But we're building on Polygon. And with, with these layer twos and alternative layer ones, I'm really seeing the prices come down. So I, I think more and more we'll see uh, some use cases that uh, go beyond kind of... Uh, art and expensive things towards, uh, you know, more kind of data use cases. And that's really what we're building for. So that, you know, you can send somebody a, a like token, you can do the kinds of things, you can tokenize the kinds of things that we do today in Web2 in a Web3 environment that's more controlled by the users. Yep, that makes sense. Just as someone who's building in this space, what integrations would you like to see? What would make your life easy? I'd certainly like to see more consistency in the EVM environment, but I, you know, we're, these domains that we've built are cross chain on uh, <coughs> Ethereum and Polygon. So we're going to continue that and continue making more cross chain features. So I think, you know, that's another opportunity, but I think, I think that's something everybody wants to see is to see more and more cross chain compatibility. And I think we'll see a lot of that this year as well. So by EVM, <coughs> do you mean Ethereum virtual machine? Yeah. 
Can you explain for someone who's new what the Ethereum virtual machine? It's essentially the nodes that run the Ethereum network. And so a lot of other chains are built or compatible with the EVMs, but you know, there's always other chains prop popping up. Yes. And is sometimes there's different cryptography involved and not to go too far down that down there either. But you know, the, a lot of there's a lot of things that make it more difficult to operate in a cross-chain environment or to, to make things more easily cross-chain based on that EVM compatibility and support. Yeah. So, so it's, you know, those kinds of integrations would just be a lot easier if, um, but, you know, everybody also wants to create their own, their own community, their own environments, you know, you get that kind of web to, you know, value capture stuff going on too, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, absolutely. You've just been to ETH Denver. What were some uh -huh. other <laughs> exciting projects that really caught your attention that you think have a lot of potential? Ones that really caught my attention, I think like Web3 Auth, they're doing some interesting things, I think, in terms of making it really easy and accessible for everyday users to, to get involved in Web3 and to sign on to Web3 and abstract away some of the complexity of, you know, getting a MetaMask and, and having to manage keys that scares a lot of people away. You know, that's hard to get your family around it at uh, yes. Christmas or New Year's or whatever, you know, this, <laughs> this, this <laughs> things that make, you know, your uh, mom or your grandma uh, uh, or your aunt or whoever, you know, scared of Web3. And so I'm very, very supportive of that to just get people onboarded. I think, it, you know, at the end of the day, yes. everybody has to, at the end of, for a user, user controlled web, you know, key management, we're going to see a, a bigger and bigger spectrum of, mm -hmm. of, you know, on the one side, making it very easy to get onboarded and, and probably have somebody else manage keys and still give you the, the full control to go all the way to cold storage if you want to and, and kind of everything in between. So I think those things are interesting. We'll see how those kinds of things play out. But more than anything, I was really impressed with just, you know, see on Twitter and social media, you know, there are quote unquote, no real Web3 use cases, but, you know, East Denver was just full of real Web3 use cases that are happening now, certainly around DAOs, hearing a shapeshift, which has obviously been around for a while as a, as a wallet and their transition to the DAO, I think was one of the more interesting stories and in how this kind of DAO environment really helps kind of management even, it's, it becomes more of a management issue. It helps really align people's interests and makes, you know, negotiating, say what the product features are going to be easier because you can get the alignment of, of and put on the table what everybody's interested in and, and know there aren't any, or at least there are probably fewer hidden agendas and the kinds of just human kind of company political things that go on. And DAO's ability to maybe smooth some of those things out, I thought was really, really interesting. And then I thought um, there was a group called uh, September's Monsters. Yeah, a music band and also like a comic book characters. Like, but they've become, you know, they have art and they have music. And Web3 has really enabled them to just disintermediate so many things that normally go into building up a band, you know, a band or can now 
you know, create their own merchandise, can sell their own merchandise, yeah. can create their sell their own tickets. They don't, if they really want to, they don't even need to, and they have the buy-in from the venue, I guess. They don't even really need a ticket master because they can just yes. uh, have NFT tickets, you know? So I think there's, and of course, then there's just the plain old music NFTs. Yes. But I think we're seeing that, you know, now that you can create this kind of ownership community and people are really kind of, uh, vested in in the community and in the music and yeah. and in everything that goes along with it it really allows uh, a lot of artists and musicians to connect so much easily directly with their fans in ways that they couldn't before and i think you know we're still just we're only a couple of years into really the nft use cases for those kinds of things and it's already great to see the, the use cases for nfts are a next level and people don't even know because the I feel like so much of the world is so fixated with just profile pack like you know the PFP NFTs that uh-huh. they don't even know the it's like the PFPs are the tip of the iceberg and yeah. they don't have that much utility or value to me I mean that's how I compare yeah. to the the massive blob that's underneath the surface and that's the utility <laughs> in form of access whether it's access yeah. to conferences or music events or whatever it is or, or it'd be access to software it would be access to so many different things and is gonna unlock in in future that it'll be very interesting to see where this whole nft boom goes to and moves to in in future absolutely before i continue this discussion i would like to ask you to consider subscribing or following this podcast i have some very interesting podcasts coming up in the next episode i will be talking about how to reduce your gas price well having said that let's get back into this conversation with leo and i think that's one of the the meme. I don't know if it's a meme exactly, not meme we're thinking of, but meme in the sense of societal thought gene is the idea that you know the the metaverse isn't about VR. When you talk about the metaverse, you're talking about a layer above or about the the layer beneath. Mm-hmm. And I think you see a lot of Web three people talking about the metaverse. They're actually talking about a layer on top of our of the the world that we live in right now and we're going to see more and more real world assets move into the uh the kind of uh digital asset space which is something i've been amazed with and thinking about for almost 20 years now when somebody asked me to read a hernando de soto book he's a peruvian economist and his whole notion was that the reason that a lot of the west has done well is because property rights are so clear and essentially that 100%. property layer is, is a, a layer that's more easily used above the, you know, the real world kind of property that, that exists. And now I think we're turning this, you know, we're, we're creating a, a property system for everything digital, but it can, and just facilitate so many things in terms of economics across so many layers and facilitates the way that people can tran- interact and transact that yeah it's really it really is still early but that is you know the originally the reason i got interested in bitcoin and what we're now calling web3 but digital assets in general that's great to see it happen now yeah you know this reminds me of the the early technology boom i grew up in india and in 1998, this is <laughs> this is back in like, you know, I was still in school and stuff. And in my hometown, which is like 
small town in com- in comparison in India because you know India is 1.3 billion people each state uh-huh. has like 60 million people 50 60 million people and each inside each state there's so many cities with over 1 million <laughs> so my 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 town was not not that big and US I mean it still does in many cases has you know everywhere there is infrastructure so there would be all these electricity poles which you see and all this the underground infrastructure and then the cables and everything everything has an age everything has the number, all the capacitors and that, and you know, things have mm-hmm. to be changed every 20 years, 25 years. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's this age and then there is, okay, if there's a storm, then you need the detail that, you know, okay, where is the pole, which poles are damaged. So then they know what to replace it with mm-hmm. when things mm-hmm. are damaged. So there's so many um, things in it. And all these prior to late nineties or early two thousands used to be all in big maps. This is pre-Google. This is, you know, this yeah. is pre-Google yeah. AdWords and pre-Google yeah. Maps and all this. So these used to be massive, massive maps. And then they would have all these small drawings and numbers and then numbers uh-huh. would be attached in a book. And so this guy had started this company to digitize all this. So all the U.S. plans and maps would go to my hometown in India. And he had like 300 people like us, like like students working in the part time in the evenings huh. or, you know, whenever and 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 a lot of full time staff as well. And all they would do is so just like there is AutoCAD, there's a special software for this called MicroStation, which is a bit like AutoCAD 3D. Uh-huh. Type software and we'd map all these into maps into digital and then create a database, put all these numbers and associated details with it. So then you can go and 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 it was it's exactly what that guy was saying that you know it's that book you're talking about and how it is mapped like the it's yeah. it's the, the mystery it's of capital. In, it's called, yeah. Yes, yes. So it's moving into into the digital realm from the physical realm and it made everything so much more usable so much easily accessible imagine if you had to go and look through the physical maps (laughs) to find that one particular pole that's damaged or it's getting old that needs to be replaced before it just falls down on its own or or the capacitors inside it it's just it was nearly impossible and so slow so and so that use case is actually something very similar to something that we're working on with some partners we haven't announced yet but it but web3 and our, our architecture in particular, I think, le- totally lends itself to that because now you you know you can have a digital twin of you know a building or a system yes. or something in the real world that doesn't have to be maintained by any one entity. It can have a life okay, on its so own. Right. And so when it's the ownership is transferred, the parts of the system that move to the new owner can be transferred with them and then so it can have a you know a, a digital life that exists beyond any you know one database or that belongs to one company or, or anything yes. like that and so we really will have this <laughs> a real metaverse in which you know everything in the real world with value is going to be kind of mapped onto this new system uh, because it is so much easier and more valuable to to create these kind of information systems that reflect back to the real thing. There's just so much value in that. You know, it's like a Carfax for everything almost. You can think of it that way. Like, you know, when you go to buy a car, you look at Carfax to see if yes. the maintenance has been done and all that thing. Cause it, yeah. you know, it determines a lot of your risk in buying a new car, but the same thing is going to be true of everything. You're going to want to know the history of everything because it's the history is the risk a lot of times. 
Yeah. Yep. So ideally in this case, you would be able to see if you're moving to a neighborhood, is the infrastructure maintained? Are the water pipes leaking? You know, are the, yeah. you'd be able to yeah. go in an, in an ideal, in an ideal scenario, you'd be able to go into the, into the metaverse and see an identical plan of, of your city and what's happening underground. And, you know, is it all going to fall apart in the next six yeah. months and the yeah. council or the go, like, you know, the local council won't have the money to fix things <laughs> is the level of transparency. I think that the web three brings would be, it would be very interesting to see. Of course you know the last one took us 20 years to digitize and we are still digitizing yeah. it's still not yeah. there's still a lot of things in pen and paper so this is gonna bring opportunities for the next um yeah decade or so having said that about having talked about opportunities you know you've been in this space for quite a while if you were starting today and you wanted to create something in web3 what advice would you have for yourself for your younger self <laughs> tough you know, the environment changes so fast. It's hard to, you know, there's a notion of a comp, you heard of computational irreducibility? <laughs> no, please explain. Uh, it's basically the idea that you, you can't, you can't run the realities program unlike in a sub program. You just, the only way you can get <laughs> perfect for this predictability is if you just run the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, essentially, <laughs> that's pretty much. So makes, there's no shortcut. The stock and the crypto markets, you can't, yeah. you can't, like you can, you can build all that because we are building an <clears throat> algorithm for the stock and prediction of the crypto markets. But it's so hard. It's you can't, you can't yeah. predict. Like eight months ago, we couldn't have predicted the Eastern European conflict, you know, with Russia and Ukraine, and it's so yeah. hard. <laughs> Even. Uh, six weeks ago, no one thought that, you know, that Russia invade, really invade. I thought it's just, you know, posturing and flexing, just like virtual flexing, not real action. But yeah. It's... In general, I would say, though, the, the advice that holds true is, you know, think about what you want to fix and do it for the, you know, whatever you're doing, do it for the right reasons, because they, that can stick with you, you know, no matter how the environment changes. And the other thing I would say is just follow where the developers are going. It's easy to get distracted with the marketers and the kind of, uh, what we call like AstroTurf community building as opposed to kind of grassroots community building. You know, there's a lot of now, you know, fake community. There's just so much noise when the market gets hot and when crypto gets hot. But at the end of the day, if you follow where the developers are going, I think you're going to see much more clearly where the, where uh, crypto is going to go because that you know those those kinds of things that are that make developers' lives easier are going to have much bigger impacts long term than just about anything. Absolutely, you said it hundred percent. Back in the days, it used to be the it used to be the saying that follow the money. And you'll find, yeah. uh, you know, whether it's going to follow the corruption or follow right. the war or whatever, whatever is going to happen, follow the money and you'll find, you know, what is the real cause. Now in, in this world, I, I would agree with you. And I say the same thing. And I've said it in other episodes of my podcast, follow the developers. Where are the developers <laughs> going and focus on yeah. that, on that blockchain. The other day I interviewed someone, their platform is being used. Like, you know, it's just sort of a JavaScript framework and all that. And it's being used by 16,000 developers. And then they get to see people who work on 40 different blockchains out of those developers. So my, I mean, I, I love talking with that company because I get oh, yeah. to see their data and I can see where are the transactions, you know, <laughs> where really are smart 
smart contracts being built who is using which blockchain and how many people are using you know what is where are developers moving from which blockchain are they abandoning and moving to yeah. having said that i have just two or three last questions what are your views on eth and eth2 do you think it's going to happen anytime in the next year or five years you know i think yeah i think it's going to happen i think but in my mind i think the layer 2s are maybe more interesting and for us really fix a lot of the fix bigger problems than eth2 will fix so i'm more focused on what we can build and the innovations we can provide in terms of keeping costs down and we've got some pretty cool things happening there uh, to keep data transactions low and uh, again yes. building on polygon and what they're doing with zk whatever i think is is amazing and i think again this is going to open up so many more use cases than than we see on on eth layer 1 right now yeah yeah i i do feel like that even if i have seen the traffic and the number of transactions on i mean the world's biggest nft platform opensea and how so many transactions have moved from the standard vanilla eats to polygon and other things just it's massive the number well, of transactions because it still seems slow and you know polygon still has this like and it, you know again it could be kind of just people with vested interests but you know it feels like polygon still has this reputation of being cheap or whatever because people do more airdrops because they can afford to but yeah that's good to hear and i you know microsoft minecrafts just moved what their nfts to polygon so there's so many so many big nft projects dropping on polygon now yes uh, it is it's becoming amazing. more it's amazing it doesn't have kind of more nft street cred or whatever than it does but but uh, that'll change it's because like of the of the i don't know what you call it like history or i think it so is vested honestly that... i think it i think it is vested interests i think you know the nfts that have made a lot on eth they're going to you know of course they're going to want to promote eth yes But not for, it can't you can't fight you can't fight upstream forever though you can't fight upstream and the thing is that it is pure capitalism at the end of the day if i am someone mm -hmm. just starting out and you know there's a minuscule number of people own nfts and are built as more people come in they are going to experiment on polygon because it's free yep. open sea takes yeah. the expense of minting it and stuff and you're not going to pay 120 for a transaction to mint and list something yeah. it's and just that's not why, possible that's why these are on uh, polygon on cross chain by the way so what We're, do you mean by cross chain like how how does it work? so the 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 names will actually resolve across chain so there's a lookup that if a lookup happens on either chain it'll resolve to the other chain oh yeah so yeah yeah oh that's great that's really really good over the last year and a bit that you have been building all these things what has been the most challenging part of it wow there's so many challenging parts i think you know now that everything's so hot finding talent is got to be the the hardest thing to there's i think that's changing too of course you know there's a lot of web2 people leaving and so we're working on bringing a lot of web2 people in because a lot of the cryptography stuff that we do is kind of done and it's not much more than like a you know a function call essentially so you don't really need to know a lot of web3 for a lot of the stuff that that we're doing but yeah i mean there's just there's the other thing is just there's so much noise so i think 
you know, you almost look at these kind of quiet terms in terms of the, the market or the price or whatever is being refreshing because, <laughs> because then you can start talking about real projects again and not, you know, have, have to deal with so much of the when moon, the when moon crowd. So, you know, these, these times where, where you can actually break through the noise is refreshing sometimes. And the other thing, you know, you always want things to move faster. So, but a lot of times the best innovations, no matter what, they just take some deep thought mm. and some quiet time and stuff like that. So, so it's a, those, those are my top three. Yeah. Oh, no, that's great. That's because that brings me to the next question. And part of it, you have already answered it. And that is, what is your ask? I know you are looking for um, interesting talent who are really interested in this space, who have the ability and the capability to to work in Web3 and, and also the desire to work in Web3. So I will put your links down there. Is there anything else you are looking for? Or is there any other ask you have like investors or... Customers. Yeah, we're interested users. in talking with investors and we are definitely, so we're releasing some new functionality around the .hmn domains. So I encourage everybody, my biggest ask is to go out, grab your hmn domain, grab your .eth subdomain off of that. And we're going to be releasing some really cool things, some new features any day now, could be this yeah. week, to make those even easier to use. And, and what we really want is people to build both with these domains and the other domains that we'll be releasing Again, they're free and we want as many people to get involved and onboarded onto Web3 as possible. And of course, we're looking for beta users. So you're interested in what Cortex is doing, go to crtx.app yeah. um, and sign up to be on our beta list. And uh, But mostly we'll be successful if people build with us and uh, show off what they build. So that's what we really want. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So I'll put all these links on the description wherever this goes and look thank you so much for your time and wish you best of luck all right thanks sam thanks everybody thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode i would love to connect with you so reach out to me reach out to me if you have any questions about web3 i would love to answer them and if i cannot then i will find an expert who can finally Share this podcast with a friend who you think should know and learn more about Web3, who you think should get involved in the world of crypto, decentralized finance, metaverse, NFTs, and more. Thank you once again and have a fantastic day.